Good morning, everyone. Nice to be with you today on this beautiful day. I'm Naya Swami Durga, and this is Naya Swami Anandi. And we're here to share these teachings with you this morning. I'd like to read from Rays of the One Light, Commentaries on the Bhagavad Gita and the Bible by Swami Kriyananda. We are at week 46, the promise of the scriptures. Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramhansa Yogananda. In the Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 15, we read the famous parable of the prodigal son. Jesus tells of the man who took the wealth bestowed on him by his father and squandered it in foreign lands where he fell into evil ways. At last, repentant, he returned to his father's home. When his father saw him, he was, Jesus tells us, moved with compassion and ran and fell upon his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. I am no longer worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Fetch quickly the best robe and put it on him and give him a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and bring out the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and make merry because this my son was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and is found. And they began to make merry. Small-hearted human, human beings, identified as they are with their little egos, give exaggerated importance to any slight they receive from others. Thus, they imagine God, like them, to be petty, unpardoning, and vindictive. In God's eyes, however, when human beings go astray, there is nothing to forgive. All of us are aspects only of his own self. He who made us resides in us. He is not far away from us in some far off heaven. His call to us always is to return to our own home within. The way of return is described in the Bhagavad Gita in the sixth chapter. Supreme blessedness is that yogi's who has completely calmed his mind, controlled his ego-active tendencies, rajas, and purged himself of desire, thereby, thereby attaining oneness with Brahma, the eternal spirit. Thus, through holy scripture, God has spoken to mankind. one of the most beautiful uh, readings from the Bible, I think, and very, very important. I'd like to start, uh, before I speak, to read from Whispers from Eternity uh, by Paramahansa Yogananda, a book of his prayers and poems. 
in this, um, this reading ranks up there with my enthusiasm for the prodigal son called Endless Thrills of Delight. I attuned my life with thine. Now my life has come, become a long, unbroken inspiration. The fountain of bliss refreshes and delights me night and day, whether I be wakeful, fast asleep, or dreaming fondly of thee. Oh, what has become of me? Delight on overwhelming delight, endless, indescribable thrills of divine delight spray unceasingly over me. O aged nectar, wine of centuries, I found thee at last and will taste of thy sweetness forever, forever, forever. Well, this whispers reading, speaking of the bliss of God um, that is endlessly intoxicating. I think everyone here, actually, who's been on the path for a while, been meditating and loving God for a while, we may not have experienced it as endlessly or unbroken, an unbroken uh, thrill of delight, but we have experienced the delight. We have experienced the joy of God inside of ourselves. And I wanted to share this because it goes very well with the prodigal son, which is all about the love of God. Um, in the reading, Swami talks about that uh, small-minded people tend to put onto God their own pettiness. And so if they feel hurt by other people's slights, uh, then they assume God is also the same way. And that that's not the way it is. When I was in Sunday school, I was young, obviously, in Sunday school, and I fell easily into that thinking that God was like me and like the other people I knew, and that he was a little scary because if he was petty and omnipotent, <laughs> that's not a good combination. So, so we studied um, the, new, the uh, Ten Commandments. And if you remember, the Ten Commandments start off talking about God being a jealous God. Again, not a happy thought. And then the Ten Commandments list all the things that you need to do. And there's kind of hovering over that a sense of, or else. <laughs> do these things, or else. And then when I was approximately that age, the movie of the Ten Commandments starring Charlton Heston came out. <laughs> and again, this did not encourage a sense. Master called God the nearest of the dear and the dearest of the dear. But that wasn't the feeling I was getting from the religion that I was growing up with. It was a little more scary. And so then when I came to Ananda and found out about the Indian teachings, and Swamiji explained, and I remember the day he did it, that God did not make creation, God became creation. That every single part of creation was made of God. The, th the thrill of that 
awareness and that thought and the implications about myself and about how I looked at life were just enormous. And to further say that that God that became us was bliss, was ever-existing, ever-conscious, ever-new bliss. This again is just huge. I know this weekend we've had a wonderful uh, course called Discover Your Own Inner Happiness. And really the foundation of that course is that bliss lives within you and that's why you're so desperate to find it. And as long as we keep looking for it outside of ourselves, we will always be disappointed. But when we come to the exciting uh, knowledge that we can look for God inside of ourselves in meditation, in devotion, and find this joy inside, really the, it just opens up and opens up. And what happens when we find even a taste, not maybe unending, unbroken, but just even a taste of that joy, we feel greater love for other people, don't we? We're much kinder to other people. When you feel crummy, when you feel lonely or scared or in a bad mood, that's when you're more likely to be rude to other people, when you're not going to be your kindest. And there's a converse to that. When you are kind to other people, the kundalini literally rises in your spine and as the kundalini rises upward, you feel more joy. And when you feel more nasty to other people, the kundalini locks itself at the base of the spine and you feel more miserable. So we have a great system here that we can work with of how to look inside of ourselves, raise our energy, be kinder, and start to connect with that bliss and that joy the bliss that he talks about in this reading from Whispers and the love that Durga read about from the prodigal son. And I, I wanted to tell that story of the prodigal son in a little bit more depth so when we started kind of in the middle. The son, he was one of two brothers, and he asked his father to give him his part of the inheritance. And he took that part of his inheritance and he went to foreign lands. And in those foreign lands, he squandered the inheritance on riotous living, okay? And as he was at the end of his um, inheritance, the land fell into famine. And the young man was starving. And he got a job feeding the pigs. And he was feeding them corn husks. And he was so hungry, he wanted to eat the corn husks. And then he started to think about his father. And he thought, you know, my father's servants always get fed. I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back. I know I'm not worthy to be his son, but I know he's kind, and he will take me in. And so he comes back, not with the most exalted motives, really. He's starving. And when he's still a long way off, his father sees him. And his father comes running up to him, and as the reading went on to say, fell on his neck, hugged him, kissed him, wanted to give him everything, the fattened calf, and so on, and so on, and so on. 
Now that is our story. That's our story. Because we had an inheritance when we came into this life. That same inheritance that I talked about, God became us. All that bliss was given to us inside of us. And then we began to go to foreign lands. Where were those foreign lands? Outside. Oh, what can I buy? What can I do? Who can I be friends with? And how can I find happiness outside? And so we started looking in these foreign lands. And they began to dry up. It wasn't feeding us anymore, and we were starving. We were starving for some purpose in our life. And we turned back and said, what? Where? How do I find something of meaning? Maybe we didn't, maybe we weren't seeking, like the prodigal son was only seeking maybe some help. And his father didn't care. His father said, he's turned back to me. And so we came seeking maybe the littlest thing, maybe peace of mind. And we came and we found God in whatever form. In our case here, we found Yogananda, we found Kriya Yoga, we found spiritual community. And maybe we were seeking this much, but we realized, oh my gosh, this is much more than I ever imagined could exist. I didn't know that so much sweetness could be found inside of myself. Um, when Swami Kriyananda wrote his autobiography, he said, I began to look forward to meditation the way other people look forward to a party. I just didn't know there was such a wealth of joy inside of myself. And so we come to this teaching and we begin to look for that outside. And does the Father look at us like, well, wait a minute, you know, where were you last night? You weren't doing your Kriyas. Where were you? When we were, when we were the ministers in Palo Alto many years ago, there was a woman in our congregation that was had become a good friend of mine. Bharat and I performed her wedding and she stopped coming to Sunday service and just vanished, basically. And I ran into her somewhere like a health food store and I said, hi, where have you been? And she said, well, I stopped meditating and I knew you would know. <laughs> and I guess that I would send a thunderbolt or something, I don't know. But that's not the way it works. God isn't standing there counting and telling all of our shortcomings. I was thinking when I read this story of the prodigal son, and I have to say, every year when the prodigal son comes around, so it makes me so happy. But reading the prodigal son, I thought of the image of a hose. You turn on a hose and water comes out. You turn off the hose and the water stops coming out. You turn on the hose again and the water comes out immediately. You don't have to propitiate that water to come out of the hose. You don't have to say just the right prayer or you don't have to throw yourself on the mercy of the hose and beg, <laughs> please come out of this hose. The water is there. It's there and that is the image that we should have of God's love. He is just there, ready to give it to us. 
sometimes we turn it off. Sometimes we turn our back, maybe we do something that isn't the best thing, that isn't the highest thing, that isn't even moral. I don't know what people do, but you know, I mean, people do bad things. But that doesn't change the fact that God is standing there like, when are you going to turn on that hose again? I'm ready to come. Master said, he gave a beautiful image of God. He said, in one aspect, God may be considered a beggar. He who created all the universes, the galaxies, the planets, billions of life forms on all these things, he's running after man and saying, won't you love me? Won't you love me more than the gifts I've given you? And man says, I'm sorry, I'm busy now, maybe later. And God says, I will wait. Isn't that beautiful? So we don't have to be ashamed. A friend of mine went through a rough time and he said he was afraid to look master in the eyes. It was poignant because it's, Master just, all he wants to do is love you and he doesn't expect you to be perfect in order to earn that love. I was just, um, had a seclusion and I uh, was writing up my memories of Swami Kriyananda. I, I've been wanting to do this for a long time. I was his, lived with him as his student for 42 years and so you can imagine there are a lot of stories and I want to encourage everyone here to do that, even to just list things that you remember that he said or moments that struck you that were important for you. It's a very inspiring thing and maybe at some point we'll share those among ourselves. But anyway, at one point in my memories of these blessings and intuitions and healings and different things that had happened, I got on a, a string of the mistakes I'd made. You know, when I obviously met my ego had been so so painfully present when, uh, you know, I'd misunderstood what he said, when I just didn't, I mean, you know, be like, I'd always be like some beats behind him. You know, maybe it would be a few minutes behind him, maybe it would be a few decades behind him. I like playing catch up. Oh, that's what was trying to happen. That was what I should have said or done. Anyway, so after writing some of these, <laughs> which will not go in any version should be shared with other people, um, I started to feel kind of bad. And I gave my bad feeling to Master and I went to sleep that night. And when I woke up, I woke up waking up for me is always the interesting thing because that's, that's when it seems like God can speak to me the best. And so as I woke up, I had three memories of these intuitional moments with Swami that were beautiful. But then I also had this very clear understanding, really for the first time, that you know the spiritual teacher, and now, okay, Swami's not here, but he is here. Master's not here, but he is here. They're still here, and they do not expect us to not make mistakes. In fact, mistakes are where it's at. They're drawing the mistakes out of us. Why? Because we've been having those mistakes sub rosa under the table there for incarnations. We've had these obstacles, we've had that ego, we've had that selfishness or pettiness, and we haven't ever noticed it before. 
And don't think it wasn't blocking our energy just because we didn't notice it. Of course it was blocking our energy, but we didn't know it was there. Oh, well, I just saw it because Swami said this to me and I came back with an obnoxious answer. Oh my gosh. But that was the point. The teacher draws, draws those limitations out of you so that he knows, he's known they've been there forever. You know, you, it's not like he thought you were perfect and now he just goes, oh my gosh, he has a fault. He, he knows they're there and he wants you to know they're there. And so he draws it out of you and finally you go, oh my gosh, I have to work on my arrogance or my this or my that. And that is the blessing of the teacher. It's not that you've disappointed him. You've just done what you're supposed to do. You would disappoint him if you then said, okay, I give up. I have a fault. I, I quit. No, but if you say, okay, I'm ready. I want to work on it. I'm excited. I can change. That's the point. That's the point of teacher-student relationship. And it's wonderful, isn't it? So anyway, we um, have this opportunity. And God is never turning his back on us. He's never, you know those looks maybe that your mother would give you sometimes like a little sort of squint or like a, you didn't really say that. He's never doing that. <laughs> He's always just, here I am. What do you want from me? I'll give you whatever you want. Just like the purification ceremony that we just did. The words are, open your heart to me. That's all you have to do. You don't have to get it right. You just have to open your heart to me and I'll take care of the rest. Just don't worry about any of that stuff. I wanted to share a, a story, one of those memories of Swami that were an example, such a beautiful example of how God works in that way, the prodigal son approach, I guess. Um, we were um, in Palo Alto, we were the ministers in Palo Alto for a few years and I was going through a period, I was feeling kind of dry and not very in tune and Swami was coming to San Francisco to do a little satsang in our Ananda San Francisco Center. And so I hated to go up there looking like a, you know, shlummy, a spiritual shlemiel, but um, I, <laughs> I obviously I had to be around him if I ever wanted to climb out of this little funk I was in. So Bharat and I drove up to San Francisco and um, at that time, Swami had just written his music about the life of St. Francis. Many, many pieces of it. And there was an unusual piece in it called Life Flows On Like a River, written for a bass voice. And I can't tell you why, but for some reason, I didn't like that piece of music. So we get up to, I, I like it now. I mean, it was like one of those, <laughs> it was one of those temporary uh, delusions. So anyway, we get up to, to San Francisco and there's a little satsang in process. Uh, Swami's sitting in a circle with some people and we walk into the room and I'm just sitting into the chair and Swami looks at me and said, Anandi, what do you think of that song, Life Flows On Like a River? I hadn't even sat down. I'm like going, oh good, oh good. And so I said, well, Swami, you know, I'm not that musical of a person, and I can't say why, but for some reason I just don't like that song. Well, you would have thought that I said the most brilliant and delightful thing that could be said. Swami loved it. Oh, 
oh, that's wonderful. And he's just kind of, I mean, I really don't even remember what he said. I was so kind of like, what's happening here? He's pouring, pouring all this um, loving kindness on me for this kind of inane remark. And after that little group, Swami and I were walking down the stairs and toward the dining room and another a person came up beside Swami on his other side and he turned to this person and said, do you know Anandi doesn't like life flows on like a river? Like I was this like, I don't know, little, uh, I don't know, special child or something, brilliant, brilliant child. I just said the cutest thing. Anyway, so after that whole experience, obviously my funk was over by the end of that evening. Um, I thought about that for a long time, like what the heck was that about? And I've thought about it from many different angles. And one time Swami said to me, well, I liked it because you, what you, you phrased it in a kind way. But working today on this talk of the prodigal son, I realized that in what I'd done, I, was reaching, I wasn't putting a barrier between me and Swami. If I had said, oh, I love it, Swami, and lied, that would have been like saying, I don't really trust that you like me. You know, I know I have to suck up to you in order to be, you know, popular here. It would have shown, it would have created a barrier. Or if I had said, oh, I just can't stand that piece of music, it's so annoying. That would also have created a barrier. But I didn't create a barrier. I just was transparent, so to speak. And, uh, and that is what all God wants from us. He doesn't want us to try to be the pretend to be the best person, nor does he want us to cling to our bad habits and define ourselves by our bad habits. He just wants us to stand in front of him and say, here I am, and I, I love you, and this is it, you know, and, 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 and just to be there and receive it and know that that's all he wants from you. The father who, who came to his son, the son was a long way off. But he knew that in himself, the son had turned back to him. Not even from the greatest motives, but the son had turned back toward God. And that's really all we need to do. So I wanted to share just a few thoughts of things that can help us do that to avoid some of the stumbling blocks that we run into. The first two are memory and imagination. And they're kind of similar um, in, in what we do with them. But memory was given to us to remember positive things. Yogananda tells us that. To remember positive things, period. Not to remember negative things. Because when we the more we remember the negative, the more we dig ourselves into a hole. And the more we just focus on the positive, we can really lift ourselves up. And so what would be a positive memory? Well, anything that was positive would be a positive memory. But one positive memory you might want to work with is any moment when you felt God touching you, whether through his love, through something somebody said to you, through something you said to somebody else, through joy, through a blessing, through a miracle. Everyone here in this room, I think, has one of those moments, however small, and to just say, I'm going to just relive that moment. Yes, it happened 20 years ago, but you know what? It's still alive. I'm going to relive that 
right now. And guess what? It takes you right up to that moment again. Imagination is similar. We, we misuse imagination. Imagination was made to help us lift our consciousness. And what do we do? We imagine the worst. Oh my God, what if this happens? Oh, what if that happens? Oh, what if that happens? That's not the right use of imagination. Turn it around. Master is with me. Master is guiding my footsteps. That's, what's, that's what I'm going to be imagining. Um, never comparing yourself to anybody else. Uh, in the early days of Ananda, there was a <coughs> saint that visited the community. And uh, Devi asked the saint, Sir, how do you stay on the path throughout your whole life? That's a big question. And what was the answer? The answer was never compare yourself to anyone else. It doesn't really matter what you're doing compared to what anybody else is doing. What matters is what you're doing, you and God, are you moving in the direction of God to the best of your ability? It may not be a three-hour meditation. It may be you remembering to talk to God. It may be you remembering to keep your mind upward. Whatever it is that you can do, that's all God wants. He doesn't care about the people around you. Never compare yourself because that takes you right off the spiritual path. You say, oh well, I can't do this very well. Look how well they're doing it. It can take you right off the path. So just make your journey totally your own. You and God, you and your higher self, however you view that. The other thing is to, as I said, bring your mind here. I was talking recently to a friend who's going through some challenges, challenges at work, challenges and emotions, and I just said, let's take a few moments and I want you to put your finger here. I want you to put your attention there. And we did that together. Um, we don't have much time for that now, but um, I want you to try it after the service, especially if you're feeling bad. And I said, how do you feel? She said, I feel great. She said, boy, that was easy. <laughs> she had like such a complicated situation and problems and like, okay, bring your mind up. And finally, practicing gratitude to God for whatever. We had a satsang with uh, one of our study groups and, and I asked them to think of something they're grateful for. And just think about it for a few moments and now tell me, how did you feel? And you know what they all said? They said, my energy went up. So these are just things we can do. God doesn't care which of them we do or don't do. He's just there waiting to love us. But if we can help ourselves to move in his direction, that will be to our benefit. One great saint said, if you only knew how much God loves you, you would die for joy. Isn't that a wonderful thought? Let's take that thought and just hold it just for a few moments and just, just feel yourself just receiving that love that God wants to give you. <laughs> 